Hello, lovely listeners. Before we get to the episode, we want to take a moment to address the June 24th, 2022 Supreme Court decision to overturn Roe v. Wade. This decision stripped away the right to have a safe and legal abortion. Everyone should have the freedom to decide what's best for themselves and for their families, including when it comes to ending a pregnancy. This decision has dire consequences for individual health and safety and could have harsh repercussions for other landmark decisions. Restricting access to comprehensive reproductive care, including abortion, threatens the health and independence of all. Learn more by visiting choice.crd.co. That's choice.crd.co. If you're able to support others, please consider donating to abortion funds. We encourage you to speak up, take care, and spread the word. And, like, I'm sure maybe people questioned it because they knew him before he did this. But if anyone questioned him, he f- <laughs> he pulled a gun on them. <laughs> Hi, everyone. This is Carmen. And Christina. I do sound stuffy, don't I? A little bit, yeah. <laughs> Excuse Carmen, she has the Rona. No, no it's not. <laughs> I don't know. I'm not going to test myself. I'm just kidding. <laughs> That's irresponsible. <laughs> I don't have any tests. <laughs> Biden didn't send me any. <laughs> Joseph, Robinette, what are you doing? <laughs> Robinette. <laughs> anyway, this is Historias Unknown, where each week we tell each other and our listeners about an historia that was unknown to us. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, today is, well, at the time of release, it's going to be a Mexican Independence Day, uh, or this is going to be coming out on this that day or the day before. It's the, hold on, let me look at my calendar. Is it the 15th or the 16th? Okay, my bad. This is going to be coming out the day before the day of Mexican Independence because Mexican Independence is on the 16th. So this is going to be coming out on the oh. 15th. And I but thought... The 15th uh-huh. is um, El Dia del Grito or something like that, isn't it? Well, technically the 16th because it's at midnight. Okay, but it's like the 15th at midnight. Okay, but that's (laughs) like the the 16th. 16th. Yeah, get it together. (laughs) Time is a social construct. That's true. Uh, Yeah, so I was like, what? There is no better time to talk about revolutionary figures, but not the usual ones. No, no, Uh, I'm not going to be talking. Well, actually, I am going to be talking a little bit about Emiliano Zapata. But aside from him, uh, I'm going to be talking about a less known revolutionary figure. His name is Amelio Robles Avila, and he is trans. Of course, at the time, he was not using the term trans because it wasn't a thing. But once you hear about him, you'll see like, okay, yeah, that is what we would call a trans person today. And so, yeah, I want to share a little bit about him because he's less known. He's not talked about as I much. I mean, I've never heard about him. Exactly. Hence, historia unknown. <laughs> Esta es una historia unknown. Desconocida. <laughs> oh, unknown. I know. I was going to say that. Yeah. But I wanted to use the title of our podcast. Oh, oh, she said it. She said it. No. <laughs> uh, yeah. And then um, also just a very, very brief because there was not a lot of information about him out there. But the other person I'm going to be talking about is uh, his name is Manuel Palafox. What a cool last name. Right? Yeah. He he at one point he was like the right hand man to Emiliano Zapata. Um, and he was living openly as a gay man during this time, oh. which is like, what? Right? Like, 
Yeah. Nobody, nobody. It, it was unheard of almost. Yeah. Um. But first, I do want to. T- I mean, there's so much on the Mexican Revolution that like one episode is not enough at all. Um. It lasted yeah. ten years. So I'm gonna be talking a little bit about the Mexican Revolution, and this is something I had already written. Because for Spooky Tales, I did we did an episode on Las Soldaderas. And so I shared a, a little snippet of the Mexican Revolution. And I'm just going to be talking about that today as well. Um, that little excerpt, like a brief, brief ass summary of the revolution. Because I think we all needed this refresher. Because for me, it's like there was so much going on that I forget it all the time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And also, uh, I think. One day I'm going to do an episode about this, but not that's not today. But um, so Emiliano Zapata's forces during the Mexican Revolution were heavily indigenous. And that's because he's from a very rural area. And the rural areas all tend to be indigenous because they're the ones that are in the rural villages. They're the ones that are the farmers, the campesinos, right? So a lot of his forces who were later deemed as bandits um and i think that's all intentional but his forces were heavily indigenous and the mexican revolution and just mexico in general highly anti-indigenous though they homogenized indigeneity uh so they adopted indigenous cultures to create the mexican nationality and mexican identity yeah yes that's important to touch on because i feel like whenever especially mexicans in the united states mexican americans we hear about it we're like yeah viva mexico but we don't focus enough on that aspect of it um that mexican nationality the identity of a mexican person and the country as a whole is like yeah a lot of it is taken from indigenous cultures um, while deliberately committing injustices against them, taking their lands. Yes. And so their, during, culture, yeah. their lives. Yeah, you know, exactly. Yeah. And during the Mexican Revolution, and it's obviously not talked about, a lot of atrocities happened to indigenous people, especially when Zapata's forces were labeled as bandits instead of revolutionaries. There was like forced labor camps in Mexico in the southern region. Oh, I did not know that. Yeah, I just learned that not too long ago. And I will be doing an episode on that. But I want to mention that briefly that like we're going to be talking about the Mexican Revolution today and Mexican revolutionaries. But it's important to, you know, just keep in the back of your mind that all this is happening and like... The people and during any war, the most marginalized are the ones that, you know, end up um, paying the highest price. Yeah. And then also usually erased, as in this case. And so I just want everyone to keep that in mind. I'm not going to be talking about that today, but I do want to do an episode, especially because I didn't know about these uh, camps either. So I'm going to be doing an episode about them. Um, but I really need to focus on the notes that I already have half written. So that's not going to be next episode as much as I <laughs> wanted to be. Yeah. <laughs> but yes, so just a brief, brief summary of the Mexican Revolution. And like, not exaggerating when I say very brief because it lasted 10 years. There's just too much to like this would require like, I don't even know how many episodes to cover the entire revolution. Yeah. 
Well, really quick before you start, you know, you're talking about how the revolutionaries were labeled as bandits. And it reminded me that uh, one time when we were like younger and we were at Knott's Berry Farm, I don't know if you remember this, for some reason, I don't know if it was because of the Western area they had, probably because of that. Um, they had like Emiliano, it's Emiliano, right? I keep saying, I keep Emiliano, saying Emilio. Yeah. <laughs> Emiliano um zapato they zapato. <laughs> i knew i was gonna do that i fucking knew it and i wanted to stop myself but it was too late <laughs> i'm dying wow zapata yeah not not a shoe <laughs> zapato what should we say it again anyway they had like um merchandise of, of emiliano zapata and it was like most wanted and it would like say like bandit and stuff and for like a long time i didn't even know that he was like leading a revolution i thought he was a just a bandit but that's what that's what texas played labeling them as bandits yeah Mm -hmm. yeah Mm -hmm. um and yeah i mean like there's just so many things i want to talk about but i'm gonna focus on my notes today i know like because then we'll go on and on (laughs) go go on but yeah yeah i thought the same thing as you so um, yes, a brief summary on the Mexican Revolution. It began as a call to arms to overthrow Porfirio Diaz, who was a dictator who ruled with an iron fist. His goal of making Mexico economically powerful and um, or because of his goal to make Mexico like a power country and um, whatever capitalism rose. Right. But at the same time uh, that Mexico was becoming more modern. Uh, the rural communities and the poor were struggling. So, like, only certain areas saw improvements from everything he was doing, which were the people that were already rich. <laughs> the rich okay. got richer. So and- the rich got richer. Okay. Uh, I tell us all this time. <laughs> uh, yeah. <sighs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> Just make uh, angry grunty noises the rest of the episode. <laughs> Because like uh, we just had to keep keep. I mean, yeah, it just keeps happening. It just it's like it doesn't stop. Yeah. <laughs> so speaking um, of the queen, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <Go>. <laughs> yes, she died. She's dead. She's in hell with Reagan. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Also, the this full episode of Reagan in the fucking bathroom that was funny oh my god that was like one of my favorite parts <sighs> my god. of the season yeah okay anyway so yeah Mexico was becoming more modernized but the rural parts of Mexico were not seeing any of this they were struggling their land was being taken uh, for these improvements as well mm-hmm. and so Porfirio Diaz he bullied he intimidated, intimidated citizens and um, he was taking lands that belonged primarily to indigenous people um, to give to the United States and to foreign interests. And so obviously people were not going to stand for this. And so there was a call to arms to overthrow him. And so there's a lot of well-known figures from the Mexican Revolution. There's Emiliano Zapata, which I already talked about a little bit. There's Pancho Villa. There's Venustiano Carranza, uh, Fernando Madero. And then uh, until recently, we didn't even know about Las Soldaderas who fought in the forces, revolutionary forces. They really didn't get any mention until 2010, until the 100th anniversary. Wow. You know, the only before your episode of Spooky Tales, 
um before that the only thing i knew about them i think there was a song Las and Adelitas. then like, just yeah and then from like tattoos that people would get and like the same imagery that goes like hand in hand with Emilia- emiliano zapata and stuff and yeah it's, like those like booby girls with like the you know the, yes i don't know what is that called like, like the, the roll of bells? bullets that's yeah. not what it's, it's called. not a bullet belt but that's what <laughs> you we're know gonna a call bullet it. belt like they sell at walmart <laughs> <laughs> yes <laughs> with the hats and the <laughs> eyeliner uh-huh yeah yeah uh so yeah um so they just became well known or a little well known about if you're looking if you're looking into the history of this kind of stuff then you're going to come across las soldaderas now but even less known than las soldaderas are uh queer revolutionaries like i don't even know they existed but of course they did because um queer people have existed always yeah, no, the, I was going to say the same thing as you before you said it. And then I was going to say about how dumb of a thought that is. It, it's a fucking uh, dumb thought. Yeah. And and the sad thing is I, in a lot of and I mean, of course, every indigenous culture is different, right? They're not all the same. Mm-hmm. But in a lot of indigenous cultures, like being um, queer was normal and it yeah. was not it was not an issue like it mm-hmm. is with western Uh, yeah i didn't know how to say how you say how you say (laughs) um and a lot of um and being trans as well right and Mm -hmm. a lot of that uh the sexual repression and um i don't know like feelings around that negative feelings around that didn't happen uh or didn't exist here Mm -hmm. until uh colonization and the introduction of like I don't know, Judeo-Christianism. Yeah. Um, So yeah, that's why today I wanted to talk about a revolutionary named Amelio Robles Avila. Like Amelio? Amelio, yeah. Um, Because I'm not going to dead name, but... I just never heard... I've never heard Amelio. That's because of his name before he assumed his um, role as Amelio. Not role, but his... What do you call it? I don't know what to... Like identity? Identity, name? yes. Yeah, yeah. Before he was like, you know what? I'm Emilio okay. now. I just, I thought you were saying Emilio. No, 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 no. <laughs> Wrong. That's, that's because his name was Amelia. <laughs> okay. No, I okay, I got that <laughs> okay, before you said that. <laughs> I'm I just sorry. I just didn't that. want a dead name. But I guess it makes sense to, ha- to say it once. And then from now on, I'm going to be referring to him as the name he went by, Amelio. But yes, born okay. Amelia. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> All that stating. <laughs> People need to understand why we were why. Anyway, <laughs> I'm like, what's the name? <laughs> what kind of name is Amelio? <laughs> I know. Yeah. Okay. Um. Yeah. Most people choose a completely new name. But... I love the spin on it, though. Yeah. yeah it's like just said, mm-hmm. I don't need a new, whole new name. Let's just make this masculine because I'm masculine. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, um, Amelio Robles Avila was born on the third of November in 1889, is in Xochipala, Guerrero, to a well-to-do family. Um, his parents were Casimiro Robles and Josefa Avila. And I just love these names, Casimiro and Josefa. Mm, very old school. Yeah. Uh, Casimiro Robles was a farmer. He owned 42, um, it said hectare. I don't even know how to say this. I'm assuming, I don't know what measure, unit of measure this is. 
Hectares? Isn't it like more than a... I don't, I've I've read it before. I've seen it, but I don't I know. I don't know how to say it. It's yeah. It's one of those words. I don't that know you what it read, means, but you don't. You've never heard, so I don't know how yeah. to say it. But I'm just guessing no. that that's how you say it. <laughs> um. But yeah. So he had forty two of this unit of measure. <laughs> it's more than acres, I think. That's what I was gonna say. That I, I think it's more than acres. Yeah. Yeah. I think you're right. <laughs> And a mezcal factory. And uh, he had, Amelio Robles had two older siblings named Teodulo and Prisca. Wow, Teodulo, I've never heard. Me neither. And I've only heard Prisca in one place. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, she wrote a book, but she had something before the book. What was she? Just like a create. I don't, she doesn't have a podcast, right? She was like, well, she did for a little bit. Oh, okay. uh, but it's Prisca Doras. Rodriguez, there's a there's another yeah. last name in between yeah. there that I'm like not recalling it unfortunately, but yeah, she wrote that book. Um, oh, for brown girls with sharp edges and tender hearts, a love letter to women of color. And then she founded um, Latina Rebels. Latina Rebels. That's what I was yeah. trying to think of. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Prisca Dorcas Mojica Rodriguez is her name. Okay, I couldn't remember Mojica. You you remember Rodriguez. Anyway, point is, that's the only other place I've heard the name Prisca. <laughs> um, so, yes, when Amelio was three, his father, Casimiro, passed away. And then oh. um, his mom, Josefa Avila, remarried a ranch worker of theirs named Jesus Martinez. And then they had three children. So a total of six children. Three, yeah, six children were his uh, Amelio siblings. Um, the family was Catholic and Amelio attended a Catholic school for young ladies until fourth grade. And there in the school, um, girls learned to sew, cook and clean, you know, typical girl stuff. And Amelio hated this. He was not a fan. And he was labeled as stubborn and defiant. And from a young age, Amelio, Amelio showed an interest in horse taming, weapons, things that were considered more masculine. Um, and he was an excellent writer and marksman. Uh, Amelio, the Avila family, really, their location and power was important to the Mexican Revolution, um, especially for the forces that fought for Venustiano, Venust oh my God, Venustiano Carranza, just because that was the area where he was like gaining his army, not gaining, gaining forces, building, building. That's the word I was looking oh. for, building his mm -hmm. army. Yes. It's unclear exactly how Amelio ended up in the guerrilla army. Some sources say that at age 22, he joined the force by himself um, because they were passing through. Other, other sources say that his mom gave him to a soldier that was passing through for marriage. And then he said, peace. He said, fuck this. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, and then became a soldier himself. Um, either way, he joined the revolution at age 22. And during the first two years of his time as a re revolutionary, uh, from 1911 to 1912, he was at the Gulf of Mexico collecting money from oil companies for the war effort. So he wasn't in actual combat mm. during that time. And it wasn't until age... Uh, sorry. It wasn't until... Mm, my bad. He At 22 is when he joined the revolution. Is that what I said? Or did I say 24? Yeah. I said 22? No, you said 22. Oh, okay. I wasn't sure. So it wasn't until 1913 when he was 24 that he chopped his hair off and he legally changed his name to Amelio Robles Avila. 
And like, I'm sure maybe people questioned it because they knew him before he did yeah. this. But if anyone questioned him, he f- <laughs> he pulled a gun on them. <laughs> oh, wow. I, hey. If people did that now. <laughs> <laughs> you want to misgender me again, bitch? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And like, um, so he, he wore, you know, pants, button up. And he was... um. He was very masculine in his appearance. His stance, he stood like a... He just, you know... <laughs> he gave a, he gave off a very macho vibe. Um, so, yes, he did this at age 24 is when he assumed... Or he took the identity of Amelio Rob... Not took. Changed? Whatever, it doesn't matter. So, yeah. <laughs> while in... <laughs> Um, so while in the guerrilla, Emilio felt a sensation of being completely free, something he had never felt before. And how could he if he was not comfortable living, you know, as a woman? Well, who he truly was. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And so he, yeah, he didn't know freedom living in a small town in, in the gender that was not for him. Right. While he was in at home in his little village, you know, uh, young Amelio's weapons and horse riding skills were looked upon as unwomenly. And but these were skills that were like highly sought after in the army. So he fit right in. He was highly valued. He felt like I was going to say he felt valued. Yes. So from 1913 to 1918, Amelio Robles Avila fought as El Coronel Robles. Under the command of the Zapatistas, um, Jesus Salgado and Eliodoro Castillo. Oh, sorry, there was the third one. Jesus Salgado, Eliodoro Castillo, and Encarnacion Diaz. And I just, <laughs> the names Elidorio, Elidorio and Encarnacion are. I'm very old names. Of yeah. their time, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's like Gertrude in English. Yeah. Um, and so those were the people above him. So eventually he was given his own command as El Coronel Robles. And that was his name. Like if he introduced himself, he didn't say Amelio Robles Avila. He said El Coronel Robles. <laughs> so after Emiliano Zapata was killed in 1919, Amelio Robles. Uh, oh, my God. Did I say Emil? Whatever. Sorry. Amelio Robles joined the forces of, of Alvaro Obregón and fought in the 1920 Aguascalientes Revolt that ended the presidency of Venustiano Carranza. And he continued to fight in Obregón's forces until 1924. Um, sometime after the Mexican Revolution, he settled in Iguala. Uh, this is Iguala, Guerrero. And it's said that while living there, a group of men attempted to harass him, attack him, and in, in an attempt to get him to reveal his anatomy... I immediate eye roll. It is just truly sad how some people have just not developed from those times because like that happens to this day. Yeah. And I'm just like, mind your fucking business. Who yeah. fucking cares? Like, why do you care so much about somebody else's fucking genitals? Like, that's embarrassing and weird. Yeah. <laughs> it is. It really is. <laughs> um, so, um, and I say they attempted to do this because uh, Amelio Robles he fucking won. shot them, didn't he? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm he, for him, he won he this it. fight. Uh, he killed two of them. That's what you fucking get. Yeah, and this wasn't self defense, of course. He's not out here um, fucking yeah. murdering people. No, right? but yeah, <laughs> he said not today, King. And you know what? Yes, I'm here <laughs> for it. I'm proud of him. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so 
his retirement from the military is not very clear. Like, I don't know exactly when he retired, but he had a medical examination done to be recognized as a veteran in 1948. So sometime in between like 1926 and 1948 is when he retired, something like that. And his medical examination showed that he had been shot at least six times. He had the scars to prove it. And uh, the doctor also never questioned Amelio's gender in his examination. He didn't. Like, Amelio Robles showed up in, like, his, you know, usual outfit, which was, like, a suit almost looking like, you know, those, oh like, gosh. old-timey suits. Yeah. Like, with the vest and uh-huh. stuff. Uh-huh. And so the the doctor had him stripped down to his, um, just his sh- undershirt and boxers. But, like, he didn't inspect anything else. He didn't question uh, this doctor didn't know him. <laughs> uh, Amelio has not undergone any surgeries, nothing. Yeah. But he he just saw Amelio Robles, man, yes, filled it out. And so, yeah, Amelio Robles was recognized as a veterano of the Mexican Revolution. Wow. Not as a veterana who they actually didn't receive recognition until like the 1970s. Some of them, not all of them. Um, but he was recognized as a veteran. Uh, and this officially, basically officially like said, hey, yeah, he he's a man. Yeah. <laughs> Which like amazing. Um, and Amelio's own families and friends, they never questioned his identity at all as a man. And after the re- revolution, uh, there was a journalist named Michael Hill. Jill. I'm not sure the nationality of this guy, so I don't know how if it's Hill or Jill. But his name is Michael. Yes. Okay. So he's probably American. I think he's American, actually. Now that I think about oh. it. Um. Either way, he went around interviewing people that participated in the revolution to, you know, record the history. Right. So he met Amelio, and he wrote uh, this about him. When he rolled up his trousers to show a scar that a bullet left on his leg, I see he wears socks and men's suspenders. A small detail, but a detail at last. The visual semblance wants to prove that Emilio Robles does not have a feminine side. Nothing suggests femininity. Femininity. Fuck. Femininity. Femin- a hard yes. word. <laughs> in the air of his laughter or the, or the look in his eyes, nor in the way he stands up, nor in the way he expresses himself nor in the timber of his voice. His body, image, face, gestures, tone of voice, personality traits were of a man. The manly character of his body movement and gestures are also manifested in his clothes. The way of using the coat pocket, the trousers, the hat tilted a little to the left, and a lace and lace with elegance were a sign of mascul- masculinity. And then he wrote, La Coronela is a man, and yet born as women and this was in 1927 Mm. oh so he must have retired okay i did say 1926 or something like that yeah 1924 i don't know well you said between 1920 something and 1948 (laughs) yeah because i didn't know i couldn't find it anywhere (laughs) so yeah (laughs) the guy was like yeah man (laughs) this is a man essentially yeah (laughs) and um in the portrait of this uh, interview that went out to the world basically he is posing um like you know very like i think he has like a leg up and he's like holding a tie or something and picturing it yeah mm. and his partner of the time i don't think they were married i don't think they were uh he had a lot of 
partners. <laughs> Lots of wives. <laughs> wives. Not at the same time. Sorry. I should. He went from women to women. He was a, he was a womanizer. <laughs> he was a mujeriego. Yes. Yeah. Um, you know, manly man. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> so in the picture, he's posing with his partner of the time. And <laughs> yeah, his pose is, is very manly. <laughs> I'll, I'll share the picture. Most people in Amelio Robles Avila's life respected him and his identity. And, you know, Amelio's um, wealth gave him privilege, right? Um, some other people were not warranted were this privilege. So his power and wealth and status probably made it easier for people not to question, like, yeah, this is Amelio now. Yeah. And so this made it a little bit be uh, better for him to live life as a trans man, though it wasn't, like without tribulations right because as mentioned earlier those men tried to assault him mm -hmm. and although the term trans did not uh exist unlike other women who joined the revolution and cross-dressed he did not do this a lot of the women that dressed as men to join the revolution you know assumed their identity as a woman after the war was over or after they didn't need to hide anymore. But he kept on living as Amelio. It's clear that he, you know, looking at today's terms, he's trans. Because uh, while, yeah, like I said, while other people let go of the identity, um, he did not. Um, he lived his life as a man, a very macho man. But like I said, he had, you know, he still had issues with people not accepting him. So there were, um, after he was, uh, a he was arrested after he killed those two men and so he was placed in a women's jail and this was humiliating for him because that's not yeah. he's a man yeah uh five years after his death the Sochipala, the, the the little town he's from Sochipala in guerrero opened a museum and it, this museum is called casa museo amelia robles the house museum and if he would have been alive, he would have opposed to this name. He did not yeah. ever go again. That wasn't his name. No. Yeah. And so that's messed up. I don't know if they might, if the name is changed now. At the time of the source that I was looking at was written, it was still Amelia, Ro Amelia Robles um, House Museum. So I have to look back and check if they ever changed the name. Maybe not, honestly. <laughs> yeah. One would hope, though, that they did change it. There were, like, rumors written about him that on his deathbed, he asked to be put in a dress and buried as he came into the world, supposedly. Uh, but this was never proven to be true. So, um, like, there's no documentation of this anywhere, no pictures. Uh, so it's probably a lie. Yeah. And Amelio Robles Avila was known for his bravery and short fuse, especially when he was referred to as Coronela instead of El Coronel. So he was known to pull his gun on anyone that misgendered him. And he he was the typical macho man of the time. So he was, you know, sexist. <laughs> so it's important to note that while it's like, it's, I think it's amazing to know that It's a he, nuance. Yeah, it's nuanced because like, yeah, this is a man living, an openly trans man in the Mexican Revolution. But he was, you know, putting down other women at the same time. <laughs> Because yeah. of society, though, I don't, I mean, you know, like, yeah, so he, as Michael Scott says, it was society, not him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So he did the typical things like, 
women were the ones who had to do all the women things. He cheated on women a lot. He went from partner to partner. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, it's important to note that he was not perfect by any means. And it's revolutionary that he lived life as a trans man. It is important to note that he upheld patriarchal beliefs. Pa- patriarchal beliefs. But yeah, that is a little bit on Amelio Robles Avila. Amazing. Yeah, yeah. Because I, I had no idea about him. So I was like, I want to share this. And I do have one more person I want to talk about. But there was not all about uh, a lot of information on him. So it's very short. And this is Manuel Palafox. He was an advisor for Emiliano Zapata. He At one point, he was Emiliano Zapata's right-hand man. But before talking about Manuel Palafox, I do want to briefly talk about Emiliano Zapata. Again, very brief. Like, this could take three hours if I went through his whole life story, and I will not. <laughs> so, um, uh, I'm sure everyone knows, but Emiliano Zapata was a leading figure in the Mexican Revolution. Or maybe a lot of people just think he was a bandit. <laughs> Yeah, like I did when I was a teenager. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So he was born in Anenequilco, which I had to practice saying. This wow. is a rural well, yeah. village in Morelos, Mexico. Much easier to say Morelos. <laughs> so he was the ninth of 10 children. He was born to Gabriel Zapata and Cleofas Gertudis Salazar. Jesus. <laughs> and it was a well-to-do family. There's um, a myth about Emiliano Zapata that's often told when he's discussed that he, too, was a rural worker. He was not. He was wealthy. Not wealthy, but well-to-do, at least. I didn't know that. Yeah. Actually, to be f- oh, quite honest, I really don't really know anything about him. <laughs> oh, other than his picture that says wanted, right? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Um. So yeah, he comes from a well-to-do family. Oh, also, I heard he was like a rapist. Yeah. I. I. One day, maybe I'll get into some of the other stuff he's done. He murdered a lot of people that he just didn't like. That was not part of the <laughs> revolution. Um. But this is a very brief summary, so I'm not gonna get into that. Yeah. No. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Forget. Forget. Let's put the rape and murder aside. Yeah. <laughs> Set it aside for now. <laughs> so um <laughs> so yeah uh, there is a myth that he was a campesino too but his family was well to do and well known in the village but he did participate in uprisings that the campesinos had in that area so he was a well-known figure there and he was um i think they called it a president of the city or village but it's like a governor almost okay And with the help of other campesino leaders, he formed the Liberation Army of the South when the call to arms of uh, for the Mexican Revolution came. And so um, they were mostly known as the Zapatistas, but they were the Liberation Army of the South. And they played a key role in overthrowing Porfirio Diaz, though when Francisco Madera became president, he downplayed the role of the Zapatistas and, and, and denounced them as bandits. And this is where... The bandit thing came from because the the propaganda worked <laughs> um, and maybe yeah. they were going around doing bandit things. I'm not sure. I haven't looked into that part of <laughs> the history myself. So I don't know if the name is warranted, you know. I mean, they were going through like, I think, Texas region areas um, pillaging, but they were stealing from Texans, Anglo Texans. Yeah, so it's fine. 
sounds justified to me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So yeah, they were he would he denounced them as bandits, not revolutionaries. And then you know a, a little bit later, um, Sa- Zapata called for land reforms that would redistribute land to campesinos and indigenous people. And I think it's important to note that Emiliano Zapata was one of the main people that were looking for out for people's rights, specifically indigenous people, while the other revolutionaries not so much. So mm. this is why he he this is why his forces were made up a lot of made up from a lot of indigenous people and why he still looked at as a hero but he was one of the only calling for this land reform to return land to indigenous people specifically and um when he did this madero sent the federal army to um, morelos and they did employ a scorch scorched earth policy against the zapatistas and so i'm i've talked about scorched earth policies before and i don't even remember what episode anymore i've mentioned it a few times i think it was the coffee episode yeah maybe um but also in the episode where i talk about oh well that was his spooky tales when i talk about um the salvadorian civil war oh which yeah i am gonna end up cross posting on here anyway <laughs> I thought it was already no but i guess that was another that one. was the soladeras that was the one about the soladeras mm-hmm. oh, yes but scorched earth what they do is burn and attack burn villages um because supposedly if you attack the village that supports the revolutionary forces then it's going to hurt the forces so the whole thing is like purposely attacking citizens that are not part of the war more often than not so they were doing yeah. this in Morelos. So they were taking, they were burning villages, taking the men, forcing them to become part of the federal army, um, and forcing the people of these villages into labor camps that were in southern Mexico. And uh, I'm probably going to do an episode on this at one point because I didn't even know about this. And so, and and it's important to emphasize that these were indigenous villages, so they were forcing indigenous people into labor camps. And I and that's I feel like not known enough about I didn't know about it. No. Yeah. And so this strengthened indigenous support for Zapata. Um, Zapatista forces did drive Madero's federal army out of the state of Morelos in 1913. And then later some more stuff happened with the Mexican Revolution. And then uh, Venustiano Carranza consolidated power in 1915. And so he once again employed scorched earth methods in Morelos against the Zapatistas. And uh, they uh, and then the Zapatistas took uh, Morelos back in 1917. I mean, there was fighting going on the whole time, right? So in 1919, Zapata was killed in an ambush by Carranza troops. Um, he became a martyr after his death, naturally. And Zapata is obviously still an iconic figure mm-hmm. in Mexico, a nationalist symbol. And there's also, and I might do an episode on them, but have you heard of the Zapatistas in Chiapas? Yeah. it's And they're like their own nation now, right? Um, I don't know about that. Okay. Maybe. I thought they were. I know that they were like, I, I just don't know. Me neither. Not enough. But I do want to talk yeah. about them in more detail. But they're, they're named after him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's why I mentioned them. So, yeah, um, there's no, you know, there's no talking about Emilia or the revolution without mentioning Zapata because he was revolutionary. And 
for the people's rights. He has his faults, which we mentioned a little bit of. So usually when you hear about him or you um anything about him, really, you'll um hear that he was like un hombre muy hombre, a macho man, too. A really manly man. <laughs> Explains the sexism and, you know. Yeah. And also, uh, he was very outspoken against his dislike or even almost hatred towards gay men or anyone he deemed effeminate. Um, and, he, and he was known to kill people he he for being gay oh i didn't know that yeah but i mean yeah. checks out yeah yeah um less talked about though and a little more hush hush are alleged rumors about emiliano zapata being bisexual oh i've never heard that before yeah, it's not really talked about. And it doesn't take away from him as a leader, obviously. Although he was killing people for being gay, which I feel like should take a little bit away from him. <laughs> uh, yeah, along with the raping and stuff. The, yeah, all of that, which it's not, it's not talked about. Because, you know, obviously people like to look at the good parts of a person in a war. <laughs> or, you know, someone who had this type of role. Well, people ignore bad behavior from men all of the time. That too. That too. Yeah. So, yeah. Less known was this alleged bisexuality of Emiliano Zapata. There's a diary of a wife of a man named Ignacio de la Torres. And in her diary, she claims to have caught the two in a barn. I put in bed, but it was a barn. <laughs> um, they were They were having sex in a barn. <laughs> and this was years before the war. And during the war, many who served in the Liberation Army said that Zapata was known for sleeping with young men. I don't know how young. I don't know. The, Just yeah. what? Anytime they say young men and it's back then, young women, young men, and it's like a old. I'm just like, mm. it raises eyebrows. red flags. Oh, gives me yeah. heebie-jeebies. Yeah, I, I agree. Uh, I I would not put it past him. No, me neither. From everything else I know about him, <laughs> exactly. That I learned just now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't put it past him, but I I didn't look into this specifically because I mm. may do an episode on him at some future time next year, next September sixteenth. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so there were rumors going around um if, by people that served with him. And then in 2010, when there was like a, an actual recognition of Las Soldaderas, one Soldadera who was still alive in 2010 came out and said um, he was such a man's man, he lay with other men. Wow. Well, I've heard that joke from people before. Oh, it's a joke. I thought she was just saying that. Yeah. Oh, okay. No, no, not the, specifically from her about Emiliano Zapata. I've heard... Where did I hear it? I don't know if I was watching a show or if it was like a specific like comedian or if it was a movie. I have no idea. Oh, but they were like saying, is there anything manlier than um, having sex with a dude? <laughs> and I was like, I guess. <laughs> I don't even know. I don't remember where I came oh, from. That's funny. Anyway, yeah, that was Emiliano Zapata, allegedly. A true man's man. Yes. <laughs> Um, and another thing that supports these allegations are is his relationship with Manuel Palafox, who, again, was his right hand man, but was openly gay. While at the same time, El Emiliano Zapata was like open about his hatred and disapproval of gay men. But everyone knew Manuel Palafox was gay and he did nothing to him until. Well, I'll get into it. 
Yeah. Yeah. That's suspicious. Right. Told something. Yeah. So, so now we're going to go back to Manuel Palafox. I just wanted to briefly mention this about Emiliano Zapata for a full picture, sort of as full as we can get because we're like nearing an hour already. <laughs> it's cool. It's cool. It's cool. So, uh, yeah, back to Manuel Palafox. He was born in 1886 in the city of Puebla in Puebla, Mexico. And he joined the Liberation Army of the South in 1911 and quickly rose through the ranks. By 1914, he was Zapata's most important advisor. Wink, wink. I'm just kidding. Go on. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, according to most sources, he was openly gay. And uh, many knew that, uh, or then many questioned the relationship that he and Zapata had because of this reason. So, um, because they knew Zapata's disdain for gay men. But, you know, later in the revolution, um, the Zapatista army began to have, like, issues from within and crumble from within. So, during it was during this time that Manuel Palafox was caught in the middle of, like, sex with another dude. Consensual, it seems. Of okay. age, it seems, from what I read. <laughs> I just wanted to point that out. <laughs> but... You know, even though people knew he was gay, it was like, yeah, we know you're gay, but we don't want to see it. We don't want you to actually do it, right? Live your life. Yeah. Um. So because of this, Zapata wanted him killed. Are you serious? Yeah, he wanted but to see, kill him. See, this is the thing about people like being aligning yourself with someone like Zapata when he openly hates who you are mm-hmm. and people like you, right? Mm-hmm. You... And I'm not saying that. What's I'm sorry, I forgot his name already. Manuel Palafox. <laughs> I forgot. And anyway, I'm not saying that Manuel Palafox like intentionally did this right or was thinking this, but like a lot of people will be friends with someone who like makes gay jokes, rac- racist jokes, whatever it is, and they think they're like special because they're like, oh, well, he does, he's not making fun of me or I'm different. Yes. Yes. No, in reality, at the end of the day, <laughs> you're not different to them. Exactly. Yeah. And this is why not all white people. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, no, I'm kidding that. Anyway. So, yeah, Zapata wanted him killed. Instead, um, they exiled him. And so, yeah, he was no longer part of the Zapatista army. And instead of being dead, he was just kicked out. Okay. So then in 1920, Venustiano Carranza offered amnesty to those that were in the Liberation Army and Manuel Palafox took it. Then he became general in this actual Mexican army, the official Mexican army, right? And, uh, you know, he lived his life. Later in 1932, he ran for governor of Puebla and he didn't win. And after that, um, he stayed away from public eye and he led a private life until his passing in 1959. But yeah, I just didn't know that there was like someone living as openly gay in the revo- in the uh, revolutionary forces. So that's why I wanted to talk about both of them because like I'm sure there's going to be a lot of information out there about the Mexican Revolution, you know, on the 16th naturally so, but less so about um these two people. So yeah. Yeah. But um, but yeah, that is this week's episode. I hope to have my notes done about um my topic next week, eugenics. Um, I think I'll have mine done. You'll have yours done. Oh, perfect. So we'll do I that. I have first. three paragraphs already. Okay, I'm like half <laughs> done, but I keep reading this book, and so I'm not done with it. Oh, my, well, I'm using two articles. Oh, so. okay, okay. And I think that has enough. Yeah, I think you're right. 
but yeah, I uh, hope that uh, you learned a little something today. That's going to be our tagline now. <laughs> oh. I just thought about it right now on the spot. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Um, yeah, I hope you learned a little bit something about the Mexican Revolution that you didn't know before. Anything else to add before we end this? No, I don't think so. Um, just thank you for listening. Yeah, thank you. Um, we'll catch you next week. Bye. Bye.